Praise the Lord today, and this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you once again for giving us the opportunity to share truths concerning the Word of God, and we just take so seriously the charge to be host and to be attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered unto the saints. And today we're going to continue in our episode and series entitled Prayer Principles. Before we get into our teaching today, we want to just pause and pray. My Father, we thank you for your awesomeness. We thank you, Lord God, for your position as God, as Lord. We thank you today that you are a loving Savior. We praise you today because you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the uncaused cause. And we thank you today, Lord God, that you are faithful in all of your doings. We give you praise because you're steadfast. You're an anchor. You're a foundation in which we can build our spiritual lives. You are that rock that followed them through the wilderness. And God, today we thank you that we're anchored and we're founded and established upon the stability of your word. You bless someone today. Let them come to know you in a more endearing, personal way. Let them, Lord God, find priority. Let them find, Lord God, their place and their purpose in your word. Let them come to know you, God, as a loving, kind friend, a dependable, stable, loving Savior, one who will always be by their side. You said that you never leave us nor forsake us even until the end of the age. Lord God, let someone come to know you in the pardon of their sins as their Savior and their Lord. And it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray today. And today we're so thankful that uh, we have an opportunity to continue to share in a very important topic entitled Prayer Principles. Now we at Truth Matters have discovered that in Scripture that admonitions to pray is mentioned a total of 312 times. And God who is love and the principle of love that we advocate is only mentioned 310 times in Scripture. I said, wow, prayer and its importance is talked about more than love itself. Jesus was recorded to have prayed 25 times in scripture, but he only performed seven miracles. Once again, I said, wow, prayer seems to be the most important thing. And it is the catalyst and the foundation of even the miracles that come forth. We see that prayer is a non-negotiable. It's an indispensable way of life for the believer. Prayer is not a transactional or just simply a crisis management tool as so many of us apply it. We must summarize that we as Christians, we must pray without ceasing. We must build our intimacy with God through knowing his nature. We have to know his faithfulness, his posture as our high priest, mediator, our advocate, friend, and husband man through prayer. Our position as his bride and his dear children, it must function and operate accordingly. Now we as the bride must submit to his loving leadership. As dear children, we must yield to the authority and the tutelage of his word and his lordship. How can we forget the prayer of Christ when he was going through great torment in the Garden of Gethsemane with great drops of blood, which is the medical term hematidrosis, which caused which is caused by extreme and emotional stress as he was contemplating his final hours in Luke 22 and 42. Jesus was praying and he says, Father, if you are willing, 
Did you hear that? If you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but thy will be done. How important it is as we look at Jesus Christ and the most intense, most important position of his entire earthly ministry. He said, Lord, if you're father, if you're willing, I don't want to go through this torture. I don't want the weight of sin to be upon me. I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to go through this, God, but yet not my will, but thy will be done. How often as we confront our life's challenges and trials, the things that seems like they're so forbidding and so unsurmountable in our lives, do we say, Lord, do this for me. Make this happen, God. I want a miracle on my behalf. Do we stop and say, Lord, if you're willing, do this. Not my will, but your will be done. As we mentioned in our last episode on prayer, prayer is governed by principles. Just as in baseball, there are laws and rules such as there are three outs per inning, right? In baseball, three strikes per batter. If you're running to try to get to the base, the tie goes to the runner. And if you hit a foul ball, it's not considered a strike. The point is, you can't succeed in baseball unless you play by the rules. Likewise, we as people of God, there is no way in the world we can have success in our prayer life and build a relationship with God if we don't understand God and his rules through prayer. Jesus in his hour of trial and imminent torture on Golgotha yielded to the Father, right? The key to effective prayer is knowing God and his will. Say that again, Pastor Adam. The key to effective prayer is knowing God and his will. Recently, my mother died, and after our celebrating her life and home going, all of my siblings assembled at my oldest sister's home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and our niece, who was her daughter, was the attorney. She revealed our mother's will. It was so detailed, it was so structured, I could not believe how outlined it was. And she had mentioned who would receive her clothes, her jewelry, all of her merchandise that she accumulated over her 80 plus years, her property, the homes that she had, her land down in Arkansas. But my mother, she did something so special. She willed me all of her spiritual books and all of her biblical study helps. Man, I was so honored. But just imagine, she knew what I loved the most, but imagine if I balked and told the attorney and the execute the executor of the will that no I, I want the properties i want to get the jewelry and, and then what if i got a tainted viewpoint of my mother because she didn't give me something that may have had monetary value and as a result i looked at things negatively converse to what she desired to will to me see we have to be very very cognizant that the father knows what's best and what he wills for us is best for us a parallel perspective must be seen in how we walk live our lives and initiate our pursuits jesus warned us in matthew 7 and 21 listen to this he says that it is not the one who says lord lord to me who will enter the kingdom of heaven but instead the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven the Bible says this one thing that we should not be unwise of. What is that? 
that we know what the will of the Lord is. James said, don't say I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that tomorrow, but say instead, if it be the Lord's will. See, there is a tradition that has arisen in the church today concerning God's will. There is a doctrine that is afoot today that is called God's permissive will. So we have been taught that there's God's perfect will and then there's his permissive will. Well, let's just analyze that for a minute. Romans 12 and 1 alludes that we must prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. I've never seen in scripture where we were advocated to embrace the permissive will of God. See, our Lord has a perfect will that is good and it's acceptable. The only other will that God yields to is man's will. Man's will is granted within God's sovereignty. See, this is the theological principle that is known as synergism. It must be stated, however, it is not God's perfect will. Man can only walk or execute God's perfect will. How does he do that? When he studies and he communes in the Holy Spirit so that he can see God's will very clearly in Scripture. When man embraces God's perfect will and conforms to his perfect will, just as Jesus did in the garden, then he can realize the benefits outlined in Matthew 7 and 21. Make sure that you take time to really study that. Now, during these days of calamity and pandemic and death, so many are looking to God for direction, clarity, and comfort. So many of us have lost jobs and we've lost careers. So many have lost our health and we've lost loved ones. We have so much bombarding us. We sometimes feel like just throwing up our hands and just giving up, not knowing what to pray for or what to do. In these moments, here is when we must adhere to the admonition. We know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit will intercede for us according to the will of God. Romans the 8th chapter and the 26th verse. Who can forget the prayer of Hezekiah? Pay attention here for a minute. Hezekiah in the midst of his triumphs and the favor of God and over the forces of his enemies is seized with sickness and he was under the arrest of death. We must therefore always rejoice with trembling. It should seem he was sick of the plague, a sort of a COVID-19, for we read of the boil of plague sores, the same disease that was killing the Assyrians who were trying to attack and kill him and his people. But God took it from him and he put it upon his enemies. People of God, never forget, neither greatness nor goodness can exempt us from sickness, from sore and mortal sicknesses. Say that again, Pastor Adams, no matter what your position, no matter what your goodness, no matter how holy you are, no matter what your sacrifices and your spiritual stewardship, nothing can exempt you from sickness, from sore and mortal sicknesses. I don't care how many times the preacher tells you all you got to do is just claim 1 Peter 2.24 and claim and howl out and confess by his stripes I'm healed and I, I, I claim my healing. I rebuke sickness. I rebuke this disease. There are so many people today that I'm not wearing a, a, a mask on my face because I rebuke COVID-19. I don't claim COVID-19, but you know what? You keep 
operating in those unbiblical principles and precepts and COVID-19 will claim you. Listen, Hezekiah lately favored of heaven above most men, but yet he is sick unto death. There is one sickness that is going to claim every human being and it's called the sickness of death. Everybody is going to pass from this human body because of what happened with our prototype Adam in the Adam in the garden listen to this this is a disease which is mortal and if he be not recovered by a miracle is what the prophet said it will certainly be fatal and God told Hezekiah thou shalt die and because you're going to die thou therefore must with all speed get ready for death set your house in order there are so many people of God today when God says it's time to die or when a, when death is at your door we never set our house in order we sometimes get sick and God is preparing you get your house in order instead of saying well no I'm not gonna die nothing's gonna happen to me I'm not gonna get any life insurance I'm not gonna prepare my will I'm not gonna start considering how to prepare my legacy for my offspring we die unprepared the most important thing is we must get ready with all speed and set our house in order when God purposes mercy he will purpose mercy but see what happened with Hezekiah is he turned his face to the wall after God said he was going to die and so many people have speculated that he turned his face to the wall just so he, that he could have privacy. It may have been privacy. He couldn't retire to his closet as he used to do because of his situation. But he retired as well as he could and he turned from the company that was all around him and he wanted to have privacy and converse with God. Another thought is he turned his face to the wall is because that was the direction of the temple. To show how willingly he would have gone to the temple to pray this prayer if he had been able to. And remembering what encouragements were given to all the prayers that should be made in or towards that house or that temple. But today let's remember people of God that Christ is our temple. He lives within us. We are the temple of God and Christ who is the temple. He lives within us. And so all of us remember that all of our eyes and all of our focus should be turned toward Christ because no one can come to the Father but through Jesus Christ. So Hezekiah, he wept sorely. Some gather from this that he was unwilling to die. It is a nature of man to have some dread or some anxiety about the separation of the soul and the body and it was not strange if the old testament saints to whom another world was so darkly revealed because they didn't understand even the bible says that we see through a glass darkly but a time is coming where we're going to see things face to face the old testament saints were not so willing to leave this as paul and the other new testament saints why because paul said i'm in a strait betwixt two whether to stay here which is needful for you or to depart which is far better for me to live is christ and to die is gain so many people in the old testament did not see clearly the gain of dying 
There was also something peculiar in Hezekiah's case. He was now in the midst of his usefulness. He had begun a good work, right? And a reformation for God's people, which he feared would, through the corruption of his people, fall to the ground if he would die. If this was before the defeat of the Assyrian army, as some think it was, he might therefore be loath if he died because he knew that his kingdom was in imminent danger of being ruined because of the Assyrians' assault upon the people of God. Listen to this. However, it does not appear that Hezekiah, when he was going through his trial, he did not have a son. He didn't have any son. Manasseh, who succeeded him, was not born until three years after he made that prayer. And if he should die childless, both the peace of his kingdom and the promise to David would be in danger. Now listen, God in his wisdom and providence taught Hezekiah in the entire world a lesson that we must never forget. What is that, Pastor Adams? Accept what God allows. Accept what God allows. If God who knows all things and always does what is best would have protected Israel from the catastrophe and the spiritual corruption that Manasseh brought to the work. The righteous kingdom that Hezekiah and that God had wrought would not have been destroyed if Hezekiah would have died as God had ordained. Then he never would have brought forth his son Manasseh who was the greatest monster the greatest terrorist, the greatest destroyer of all that was righteous. He destroyed the kingdom of God and God's people, and he corrupted everything that God and Hezekiah had built. If Hezekiah would have accepted what God allowed, the kingdom would not have come to ruin. Listen today, people of God. It's so important when you think about it, Hezekiah, to add 15 years to his life, this would not bring him to be an old man. It would have just allowed him to reach 54 or 55, yet that was longer than he had lately expected to live. His lease was renewed, which he thought was expiring. We have not the instance of any other person in history that was told beforehand just how long they would live. That good man, no doubt, made use of it, and he made good use of it. But God has wisely kept that from us today. And we have uncertainties about how long we're going to live. Why? Because it will always keep us focused on being ready. See, having faith in God's purposes and will are always being tested through sicknesses and through tribulations and life's trials. We endure suffering, are exposed to weakness, calamity, injustice, persecution, and lack, right? But we still walk in forgiveness. We walk in hope, we walk in steadfastness and confidence in God's trustworthiness no matter what comes our way. We just like Isaiah praise God for his holiness, his deity, his benefits and exploits for us. We praise him for his miracle working power. Yet at the same time, we realize that his miracles are not always spectacular. 
The greatest miracle that God has ever performed is the transformation of the human heart and the rejuvenation of a confused and distorted mind. See, we have a blessed assurance that God cares and he also listens to our cry, right? David said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. Why? Because we have a high priest who was touched with the feeling of our infirmity. David also said, in my distresses, I called upon the name of the Lord and he inclined his ear unto me. I walk in forgiveness. I analyze my motives. I synchronize desires to God's desires. My will merges with his will. Never lose faith that God will reinforce his priorities, his purposes and promises to his people. When we find balance and maintain a close relationship, we will study his word and his will. And then we're going to pray his word. What do you mean pray his word, Pastor Adams? When we get to the point to where we've synchronized and we've merged our will with his will and we merge our hearts to his word, we'll begin to speak his word and we'll repeat to him his promises. We'll pray like this. We will pray words like this God and, and that God said in his word, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us out of them all. God, you told me you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, you said that you would be with me always, even until the end of the ages. You said, fear not, for I am the Lord that goeth before you. I fight for you. You have no need to fight in this battle. I will begin to pray that, Lord, you said that you are a deliverer. You said that any man who walks after you must walk upright. And you said, no good thing will you withhold from them. You said in your word, you said, sanctify the Lord God in my heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks thee of the hope in thee that with fear and with trembling I will always pray to God what his word is if I pray my his word back to him I'm always assured of getting the promises that he's already willed for me understand this our deliverance and victory is not always realized by our definition of victory our success in prayer is not based upon our schedule or our criteria. Listen to this. Victory is not always sensed or embraced unless we understand defeat. What do you mean, Pastor Adams? It's very simple. Losing is not defeat. It's what allows us to appreciate victory. So was it really losing? Sometimes we listen for God's voice before we believe that he is answering prayer or speaking to us. There is nothing in the world that is louder than silence. See, we as people of God, we must believe that God will do what he promised. He will deliver a lost soul he will answer your prayer. He may say yes, or he may say no, or he may say wait. When you are unmovable like Job to trust God, even when it seemed like you're being slain, when it seemed like there is no way out, when all your friends walk away, when all the money is gone, just keep talking to God. Stay in his word. 
let his word speak to you guard your heart for out of your heart springs forth the issues of life resist depression beloved resist depression beloved resist discouragement and unforgiveness and selfish motives always trusting by faith in God's promises God wants to have a relationship with you his arms are outstretched he says behold I stand at the door and I knock and if any man woman boy or girl will open up their heart open up your heart to me and I'll come in and I'll sup I'll commune with you and you with me Lord I want to spend some time talking to you but then I want to be quiet so you can talk to me I want to meditate on your on your word and on your promises first Kings 8 5 56 says praise ye the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised people of God remember you have to just sit and rest in him don't let anxiety stress and pressure and depression rule you keep your eyes on his promises the disciple says Jesus Christ to where else can we go you have the words of eternal life and then in 1st King 8 and 56 it goes on to say praise you the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised there has not failed one word of all of his good promises which he has promised to us by his servant Moses Jesus Christ is our Moses Moses was a type of Christ he brought the people to the promised land which was Canaan Jesus Christ is the deliverer who brought us to the promised land which is heaven through salvation through his blood he is our advocate he is our high priest he stands as a mediator for you and me man should always pray and not faint believe the things that he has said pray the things that he has said hold fast to the things that he has said you know this one thing be not unwise that we know that whatsoever we ask for in prayer if we pray according to the will of God we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him thank you Lord today that you're faithful Thank you today, Lord God, that you watch over your word to perform it. Bless your people today. Let them have an experience and a closer walk with you through prayer. Let them, Lord God, spend time in devotion and consecration that they might walk with you in the Holy Ghost day and night. And Lord, we thank you today for that person who is not saved. Let them come to a saving relationship. If you're not saved today, I want you to pray, Father, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my unrighteousness. Forgive me for my rebellion. Lord, I believe that you love me, and I believe that if I was the only person in the world, that you would have died for me. I love you today, Lord. I repent. I turn from my sins. 
and I want to learn the more of you. I worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for every person that listened to this podcast. You continue to bless them. You bless us, Lord God, that we will be bold, that we will be vigilant, and that we will be steadfast in declaring your truth. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.